I think kind of the older models of doing church don't necessarily translate to the largely unbelieving population of our country. And so church planting is needed and necessary to be able to disciple people and meet Christians today. You're listening to The New Leaf Project, sharing stories from instigators, innovators, planters, and starters from across Canada. Hi, my name's Jared. My name is Elle. And you're listening to The New Leaf Project. On today's episode, we're going to be spending some time talking to Anna Spray. She's a Longtime listener of the podcast. She got to know us over the internet and she's doing something really, really interesting out in Victoria. So, Elle, tell us a little bit about this interview. Sure. I got the opportunity to spend some time with Anna and uh, it, you guys, I know, I know we say you're going to love it all the time, but it's interesting because we haven't had a ton of stories yet from BC and uh, the, that part of the world. And so, it's exciting to be sharing a church planting story with you from that side of Canada. So Anna is a part of a church plant called Table Church, um, and I believe their website is table.ca. They're an interesting group, and they're out on the island on Vancouver Island in Victoria, and they're doing some really good work. They've got some interesting ideas of, of how they've been structuring themselves as their church plant has grown. They're in a few different locations now, and you know, doing ministry um, out west is, is different um, than what I'm used to here in Ontario. It's a unique kind of uh, space, and so it's interesting to hear about the work that they're doing. And Anna is um, is a lady in ministry, and so we love to highlight those kind of stories and in the Anglican world. Um, and so we've it's just a really interesting episode to hear from a woman church planter in the Anglican network who's out west doing some great work. So sit down, buckle up; it's going to be a great time. And this is my conversation with our friend Anna Spray. All right, give it a listen. Hi, newly friends. Today I am sitting down with my new friend, Anna Spray. She is the pastoral associate at Table Church in BC. What's you're in, on the island? You're in Victoria. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm in Victoria. The most beautiful part in Canada, I, I believe. Well, I'm biased, but I believe so. I'm biased too. I It is gorgeous <laughs> out there. So yeah, th- thanks so much nice. for sitting down with us today and chatting. You know what? For those who don't know uh, the lovely Anna, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I grew up here in Victoria, Victoria girl, born and bred. I uh, grew up in the Anglican church. Uh, my grandfather was an Anglican priest. So that was kind of our family history and story. And um, grew up in a little charismatic evangelical Anglican church. Ooh, and uh, That sounds fun. Yeah, it was a good time. Really lovely sort of country church, very family place. People are close and tight. And uh, yeah, I was really blessed by God to have wonderful godparents and parents that raised me in the faith, mentor me in the faith. And I think that's really been a thread throughout my life is I've always had awesome mentors and leaders, and people that would sit with me and listen to my questions, um, spend time with me. So uh, yeah, worked as a youth pastor at my own church when I was about 19, and then increasingly felt a call to ministry and went to Regent College. And um, Is Regent in, Van- done- Re- in Vancouver? Is that- it's in Vancouver, yes. yeah. It's on the campus of UBC. 
and it's what they call a trans-denominational school, so across mm-hmm. all denominations. Uh, a church uh, or a school identifies itself as evangelical, and um, they have an Anglican studies program there, and I studied there and loved it. It was the best four years, some of the highlight of my life, for mm-hmm. sure. Made friends for life, again, met incredible mentors and teachers, uh, learned a ton, and then... Um, When we finished there, my husband and I moved to Ontario, and I worked in Toronto at the Diocese of Toronto for seven years. And then about four years ago, we just felt a strong lead to come back home. And uh, that's when we came back home and we got involved in the table. That's awesome. So Mm -hmm. as a woman... Uh, in ministry, doing this work at a church plant. You know, we haven't actually had a lot of um, women on the podcast who are engaged in this kind of work. Um, when you were kind of discerning your call to ministry or, or, or like, what was that like for you? Did you have a lot of women around you supporting you? Did you have a lot of men supporting you? Like, what was that like in the Anglican church? Well, I was really fortunate. Uh, as I said, I referenced my godparents. One of my godparents, uh, Sharon, is an Anglican priest. And she came back to her faith through an invitation from my mom to go to Bible study. And so by the time I came along, she was um, really committed deeply in her faith. And when I was in high school, she was going to Regent College, going to seminary herself. And so we kind of had this sort of parallel track. Hmm. Um, I was growing up and asking a lot of questions and sort of trying to figure out who I was and what I was going to do with my life. And she was exploring her own calling. Um, and identity in Christ. And I think having the presence of a mentor, um, having that just physical example to look to and say, yeah, women women can do this. Women can preach. Women can lead. Um, women can serve the church was really, really important. Mm-hmm. And when I think about my own ministry, that's something that is before me all the time is as women, do we have people to look to like us uh, similar to us doing things in the church, serving God. Um, and, that, and that helps us visualize where we might serve too, right? Um, so I really think it's so important to have mentors, to have older women um, to look to and as an example, but also an encouragement to to be able to pursue things you think God is leading you to. Yeah, that's awesome. So when you were kind of discerning your call, you're coming back home to the beautiful island um, <laughs> and you found yourself at the Table Church. Tell us a little bit about this super interesting church plant called the Table Church. We are. That's a great compliment to say we're super interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. So the table was started by some guys I went to Regent with, uh, Josh Wilton and Andy Withrow. And they had discerned that they were to church plant to Victoria, but I was the only person they knew from Victoria. <laughs> so when I was in Toronto, there was a lot of emails back and forth, me suggesting people they could talk to. Um, and I tracked with them for the first three, four years that I was in Ontario and they were out in BC. And then when my husband and I decided we were going to move back, they were kind of saying, well, we'd love, we'd love to have you guys along. Like, we'd love to have you. Um, and that's really how it grew was, was out of a friendship, was out of people that I had known. You know, Josh and I had been friends for over a decade and um, had actually been on staff together at a church in Vancouver during our time in seminary. So I was, I was really intrigued with what they were doing and wanted to support them. And, um, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. They invited me to be on staff with them and 
we really work as a team. And I think, you know, this is the fifth church that I've served in. I think the table has really converted me to church planting for the rest of my life. Um, I think kind of the older models of doing church don't necessarily translate to the largely unbelieving population of our country. And so church planting is needed and necessary to be able to disciple people and meet Christians today. Yeah. Once you get a taste of church planting, it's hard to give it up. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. I think, you know, growing up in Victoria, I had seen lots of friends growing up in the church and then sort of walk away from their faith as they became young adults and then adults and parents themselves. And there wasn't really many churches that were addressing the questions that people face when they sort of um, transition into other stages of life, you know, and I think especially in the evangelical church, we don't always do a great job of listening to people's questions and giving space for discussion. And so the table is all about providing that space. Uh, we like to say we're not a mega church, we're a mini church. So we're like these little tiny pods all over the city. Um, so we are small by intention. So there's room for people's questions and room for people's doubts. Um, and we really want to walk alongside people as they try to figure out Am I going to be a Christian and how can I do that Right. <laughs> if I decide to do that? So I just found in other churches where I worked, there wasn't the space for that because you had to have office hours and you had to make meetings and you had to, you know, keep up with those obligations. But, um, you know, most of us here work out of our home and uh, it's a it's a very different thing to be literally placed in your neighborhood, physically present to the people that you're trying to engage with. Hmm. You know, I hear all sorts of stories about the spiritual climate in BC. Um, and I know mm -hmm. like across Canada, you, like, you're right. You know, there are the amounts of nuns and duns and those who are just not interested in what uh, we have to offer them is getting, <laughs> yeah. getting higher. But what's it particularly like in BC or particularly on the island? Well, I have to say I got a little bit defensive about this because this is my home and it's where it's I good. grew you up. You can be defensive. I... It's all right. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's just, you know, there's been a lot of editorials, news fodder in the church written about, oh, the Pacific Northwest in general as a region is less churched and it's, you know, kind of a dark place. And the truth is the church has been here forever. <laughs> the church has been here for hundreds of years. Um, it is just a smaller presence. Um, and part of that is just geographic or by nature, you know, we are a little bit more removed, especially mm -hmm. on the island. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, we're not a very big city. I mean, Victoria is under half a million people. Um, so you don't see a lot of the big kind of movements that you might see in other places. But what you do see is a lot of small, faithful churches that have been sticking it out for the long haul. And um, that's definitely been one of my cautions in being engaged in church planting is in the last five or six years um, since the tables started, there's been other church plants kind of moving in because they heard, you know, well, Victoria needs the gospel. And the truth is there's already people here <laughs> that are serving faithfully that are um, sharing the love of God with their neighbors and want to love the city. And we're just, we're trying to do it as best we can, but, but we are a little bit more isolated in a sense, just by virtue of our geography um, so I think 
what is encouraging to me is having grown up in the city, I see a lot of faithful leaders from my childhood that are still serving God faithfully, that are still engaged, um, that are still leading churches around the city. And and it's exciting to see that the table isn't alone. We're not the only church plant. There's lots of other church plants kind of percolating mm. around. And that's what we hope for every city in Canada, right? More church plants means more opportunities to share the love of Jesus with people. So yeah, Jesus is definitely here <laughs> and his people are here for sure. Um, I know in Victoria, you know, the kind of local tagline is the newlyweds and the nearly deads. <laughs> oh, really? That's a thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the statistic is something like 60% of Canada wants to retire to Victoria. So we do have a large retired population. It is true. Um, but we also have a younger population um, that is coming here to go to school, mm-hmm. that um, is involved in this new kind of tech industry that's starting up here. Um, you know, Victoria in the last five to 10 years have has quite a lot of entrepreneurial tech jobs, startups are happening. So the city is kind of shifting and changing. And it's really interesting as somebody that has lived here, you know, for the majority of my life to be able to come back and see, oh, yeah, things are happening here. And it's exciting to see how the church can adapt to meet those new realities, right? Um, So I know you weren't around in like the actual beginning days of uh, the table church, but I'm interested to know like the the model that you guys have, it it is really, it's maybe not different, but something I haven't necessarily heard of a lot. So Mm -hmm. what were those early days like uh, from what you've been told? So the story that's always told is when the table first started, they were really fortunate. Um, church of Our Lord, which is a historical church downtown, Reformed Episcopal Church, they offered space to the table. Um, they offered their sanctuary, they offered office space, and they still do that for us today, which we're really grateful for. Uh, and back in the day, it was two families and a handful of young adults, um, students at UVic and Camosun that gathered together and they used to gather in the choir lofts at the front of the church, you know, those older churches, we know what that looks like. And they would just gather for worship and prayer. And slowly over time, you know, that group kind of got bigger and bigger. You know, the essence of the table is we meet around tables. So we meet around dinner tables, brunch tables, coffee tables. Um, We meet for food and fellowship. And that's a part of everything that we do across the board. So those fellowship meals have just slowly over time gotten bigger. And um, what's incredible to us is just to see how many people connect with that need to, to know others in relationship, to be able to sit down at a meal together and really find out about each other's lives and, and what is going on in their lives, what's important to them, um, and being able to walk alongside each other, not just having a worship experience, but but building community um, is really at the heart of everything that we do. So when um, you guys were first meeting in that space, it was just kind of Mm -hmm. like one group, but you've kind of changed into this pod like thing. I think that's what you call it, which is really, really kind of cool. Um, Is that something that started once you came along or was that kind of started before? No, I mean, as I say, like the genesis of the idea was gathering around tables, right? So um, aside from the Sunday gathering, um, every alternate Sunday we meet in what's called neighborhood tables. So we meet in homes 
So our normative experience or the majority experience isn't actually in the large worship space of the church together. The normative experience is in people's homes. So every other week we meet in neighborhood tables, um, which is essentially worship gatherings in somebody's home. We have a meal. Um, we have ministry for kids. Uh, we pray together. Um, and then we have what's called uh, midweek tables, which is groups, kind of like small groups that happen sort of Monday to Friday, the typical thing. We also do a marketplace group, which is a gathering for people involved in the marketplace uh, here in Victoria to talk about matters of faith and how that applies to their business and to their lives. Um, so we have a lot of different groupings and that can be as small as two or three people or as big as 35 people. Um, but we have all these different ways of saying we are the people of God gathered together to share food and fellowship, to love God, love one another and to bless our neighbors. And that is at the heart of everything that we try to do. That's really cool. So then on Sundays when you guys actually meet in church buildings, are you all in one space or are you in a few different spaces across the city? Yeah. So about two years ago now, we um, we had reached a critical mass of about 125 or so. And we found it was harder and harder to eat together. Mm, yes. <laughs> Just physically, there wasn't enough space. You know, we had something like 40 kids and th- there was a lot of noise and a lot of action. Um, and we had always said the vision was to be a mini church, not a mega church. So once we got to that sort of point, we started looking at starting new locations. And in the process of that, we actually had another tiny Anglican church come to us and say that they wanted to partner with us. And so they also became a location. So we went from three, from one location to three kind of overnight, Hmm. um, not not by design, just kind of by happenstance, the Lord just kind of opened those doors. Uh, And we've been kind of running to catch up with that ever since. Um, But now we have a gathering in the north, in the peninsula, uh, in kind of the middle area of Saanich, and then downtown is our third location. That's awesome. So are Mm. the sermons like being broadcast to all those locations? Or is it is it satellite church? Or is it more like someone's speaking at every one of those gatherings? Yeah, so we have um, a large roster of preachers. Uh, we try. We have a lot of really gifted lay people in our midst, um, a number of us that went to region together, other people that are just really gifted teachers, and we want to use those people. Um, we want the preaching experience to be authentic and um, just true to what the Lord is doing in the room. So we have a preaching roster. We all sign up for different weeks. Um, We put together sermon series. We share our exegesis notes. There's a real sense of collegiality. Um, When we get together for staff meetings, you know, we'll give feedback to each other. Well, this is what we said at our location. This is what we said, you know, we have different ways of looking at the passage. And, you know, we're really, it's exciting because number one, we're giving opportunity to more people to be able to preach and to refine that gift. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, we're learning a ton through shared insights with one another. And number three, we're really trying to be present to the reality that's different at each location, right? Like our peninsula group is a different demographic, a different kind of atmosphere because it's made up of different people. And so we want to honor the uniqueness of every gathering. Uh, and we also want to utilize the people that we have. So that's really, yeah, cool. it's, it's really fun. I think again, it's, 
to be able to be kind of in a group of preachers and to kind of share our learnings and things that we felt did go well, things that didn't go well, you know, we're all sort of contributing to our greater learning and discipleship and growing in that gift. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's fun. We have a good time. (laughs) So as a pastoral associate of a church plant, a growing church plant, what's that role like? Like, what does your role consist of when we talk about, you know, being a part of a, um, pastoring in a church plant that can, you know, different people have different ideas of what that looks like, but, but in your context, what does it look like for you? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I've said to you before, Elle, I'm not a church planter. (laughs) I'm not that entrepreneur type. Um, I've been assessed for church planting and that kind of confirmed that, yeah, you have gifts, but maybe not that specific gift. Um, But what's been encouraging to me is that the Lord has shown me that I'm an organizer, I'm a strategizer, I'm an implementer. So my job is to help take what the entrepreneurial type person comes up with and try to implement that uh, in what we do and also help them see troubleshoot a bit. What are some of the pitfalls? What are some of the things that aren't working? You know, how can we kind of formulate this out and see it working uh, among us? So I think specific to that gift, when I'm paired with an entrepreneurial person, it's a good pairing, right? Because we see different things. Uh, We have different insights. We um, have different focuses. And so um, this is the second church plant I've worked at. And uh, it's it's always an adventure to work alongside somebody that's entrepreneurial. But my job is to help implement what they've come up with, right? To implement the, the idea or the new focus, but then also to help them refine that idea. So we can come up with a great idea, but does it really make sense to our context? You know, would this be easy for our people to understand how do we implement this for us across three different areas with all these different types of people um so that's really my gift is to flesh out a bit what what that entrepreneurial creative idea is and uh and think through some of the practicalities of things um and i think it's just encouraging to me how the lord has shown me that you know, even though I'm not a certain type of person, there is a place for me in church planting. There is an important part for me to play. Um, and, you know, I, I often talk about myself of, well, I would like to help. You know, I'm here to help. I'm here to come alongside and help make things dreams a reality uh, and to bring ideas into, into reality. Um, and I love to organize. I love to get people together. And those things are needed to to make church planting happen. And so I'm just really grateful that God has really shown me that there's there's a place for me. There's a huge need for you. <laughs> and lots of people like <laughs> you. No, really, I think yeah. it's a really important distinction that you're making in terms of um, typically what we think of when we think of church planting or this entrepreneurial or starters, people doing new things. Those gifts and, and abilities are so important. But um, an idea is just an idea. If it's, you know, if it's not executed well, it's really just this thing that kind of hangs out in the ether. Um, and mm-hmm. really having people come alongside and actually help um, fac- facilitate someone who has a, a vision or has an idea and actually see it happen is um 
that's the uh it's it's a huge thing a needed thing and it's a great distinction that you've made in your own life i i hope that other people will see that um as well as an important part that's needed in the church planting process because i think a lot of people think well maybe if i'm not the person that's leading it maybe church planting's not for me it's like actually yeah uh it's really the core team i think very few planters that i know would say that they did all of the heavy lifting on their own it's really that core team and that group of people that comes alongside of them that makes all of the difference and so good for you for seeing that about your gifts and being able to apply them in a church plan. It's really cool. Yeah, I think, you know, I've really come to see that change is hard and yet change is a constant of church planting. You know, there's, there's always new things being implemented, things that maybe have run their course that need to die, um, new things being generated. And part of our job is to help steward people to adapt to that change. And I often see myself as, you know, I'm kind of, kind of the connector between kind of the creative entrepreneurial type and lay people, our leaders, our small group leaders, um, people that volunteer and serve to help them see how they fit into this idea and how do we implement it. And, and that's kind of the follow through stuff that's really needed to, to make church planting successful. Right. Yeah, absolutely. When you think of table church for the next, like, five years what are some of the dreams that you have or some of the goals that you're you're aiming for yeah gosh we have we have a lot of dreams (laughs) we love to sit around and talk about the things that could be um i think one of our big dreams one of our big desires right now is to care for our leaders Uh, we had about two years ago we do a big leadership retreat at the end of the summer every year and we about two years ago um we had about 50 leaders gathered there and they were really expressed to us that we need more discipling guys. We need more training. We need to be equipped to be small group leaders, to care for others, to teach, like we need your help. So that's been a major focus for us is how can we equip our small group leaders? They really are the lifeblood of what we do at the table. Um, It's really not the pastors that do all the work. It is our lay people. And so our job as pastors is to equip them, to help them to make that possible. So that's kind of our first dream. We want to see those 50 or so leaders go through what we've, we're sort of creating a three-year leadership training, discipleship training um, module, which we're working on right now. We've just come through our first year which we called Kaleo. And now we're moving, transitioning to our second year of um, discipleship, which is we're calling the Abbey. So how can we prepare to to people to love and serve God? Um, So that's our first dream. Uh, Our second dream as always is just more groups. We want to see more groups start, more neighborhood tables, uh, more midweek groups, more marketplace groups. And hopefully, God willing, more what we call big tables. So those are those big regional gatherings. Um, We would love to see another one, two, or three sites start up across the city. We really want people to be able to access a table group in their neighborhood so they feel known, so they feel that they have a place to belong. Mm. Um, It's really hard walking into a large gathering as a strange person and trying to connect with people in the room. So we want to create more opportunities for that. And thirdly, I think, you know, we've had our, our big dream over the last few years has been to prepare more leaders for ministry. And so we've had the table apprenticeship, our urban missionary um, program, which is a two year sort of internship that uh, people undertake with us. We want to see that grow. We're trying to 
give people two years of discernment, of developing their gifts and discerning their call in the church. And, and that's a personal desire of mine. I really want to see more people prepared for ministry and for church planting. Um, so, yeah. Tell me our- about your urban, like that's right to interrupt, <laughs> but like, tell me about your urban missionary program. Like that's, that's a, a an interesting sentence, urban missionary. But what does mm-hmm. that, what does that look like in your context? Yeah. So like I said, Josh and I, back in the day, we used to work together. We were actually, we were interns together at a larger church in Vancouver. And there was a lot about that process that was good, but there's definitely some of that that, you know, we thought, well, this could be different. This could help prepare us for the reality of ministry a little better. Um, So again, back in the early days of the table, when there wasn't a lot of money, um, Josh would go to a student in our midst and say, hey, you have gifts for ministry. I see that you're really active in the church. Have you ever thought of serving the church full time as a job? So we give them a bit of seed money. They fundraise about 70% of their salary and they take two years kind of out of their life to serve in the church, to gain leadership experience and to discern how is God calling me forward? So, um, We had six interns this year, and they're all just winding down for the year. And, um, yeah, some really amazing people. I think for myself, having been in that place, you know, a decade ago, it's really exciting to see people using their gifts, Mm -hmm. learning how to lead small groups, learning how to preach, uh, reaching out in the community in new ways. so it's been really, it's been exciting, I think, for us as pastors to really be able to give to those people and give them our time um, and some of our knowledge and and then to see where the Lord takes that in their own life. That's awesome. That's really neat. Mm-hmm. When I think about all of the people who listen to the New Leaf podcast, it always kind of blows my mind uh, of people who are listening. But if, you know, for someone that's listening, that's maybe discerning a call to ministry um, or to get involved in church planting and maybe aren't this entrepreneurial kind of starter person, but rather the person who's going to come alongside like you have, what's some advice uh, that you could give someone that's maybe thinking through that process? Yeah, I think first get a mentor, (laughs) find somebody, you know, a Christian leader, somebody you respect, somebody you identify with that you can relate to well, and that you can just kind of bounce things off of. Um, I was so fortunate to have people all along my Christian journey that I could go to and talk to. And I think for all the pastors out there listening, find people to meet with, find Mm -hmm. young people who have gifts in your midst and meet with them, give them your time, have coffee with them once a week whatever, but invest in them. Uh, Because it's really important. You know, Christian leaders don't just evolve by themselves. We come out of a community of people. You know, that's how the first disciples were. That's how Paul identified people for ministry. That's how Jesus called his disciples into ministry was, was out of a relationship and community. And so that's so, so important that a young person or really anybody of any age that wants to serve the Lord has a mentor. I think secondly, just start trying things. You know, if you're part of a church community or you want to join a church plant, whatever your context is, you know, ask for opportunity. Um, Try preaching a sermon. Try leading a Bible study. Just try new things that you haven't done before and are maybe intimidated to do. And do it a few times because you're not going to do it perfectly the first time. You need lots of practice. Um, 
but having that experience and getting your feet wet really shows you a lot, Mm -hmm. both about how God is calling you, but then also what is this really like? What are the things that I'm good at? And what are the things I'm not good at? And then go back to your mentor and say, I need your help in these areas, but I feel my strengths are here. Will you walk with me to develop these things? Hmm. Um, I think, I think that's really important. You know, we often expect people to just be pros right at the beginning. And that's not how Christian ministry is. You know, it's like our Christian journey. It develops over years and over time. And I think for us as Christian leaders, we have to give other opportunities to other people Mm -hmm. um, to try things out. And they're not going to do it perfectly, but to have the grace to say, we really believe that the Lord has gifted you this way and we want to see you grow and develop in these areas. Um, So I think that's really, really important because there is a there is a margin of error that's going to be there. Um, but to be willing to say that, yeah, it might be messy. It might not be perfect, but we feel that we're responding to the call of God here. Um, and then thirdly, I just think, yeah, think about some theological education. Um, Good old theological education. <laughs> it's true though. So important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was a youth pastor before I went to seminary and I think I did okay. But then after I went to seminary, I thought, oh, gosh, I didn't know how much I didn't know, you know, and thankfully, God was gracious to me. I had a lot of good foundational teaching. I had great mentors. I I think I was faithful as I could be. But um, seminary was such an investment, such an investment for me in my walk with the Lord, in my understanding of who he is. And to be able to pour that out into the lives of other people has been so invaluable. And so hmm. I believe personally, it's a, it's a big investment to, to be able to take time out of your daily life to focus on the study of God. It's, I think it's really important, especially if you hope to serve the Lord throughout your life. Um, it's never wasted. It's never wasted. Anna, you are a great encouragement to me. And I'm so thankful that you exist and that you're doing this great work out West. I love it. I love Victoria. And I love what you guys are doing at Table Church. It's a really great model. And just want to thank you for being a great gift to the Canadian church. So thank you for everything that you guys are doing and, and continuing to do well. So thank you for sharing your story with us at New Leaf. I think lots of people are going to be encouraged and inspired, and I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us today. Thank you. We love you guys. I'm, yeah, I love what you guys do. Producing Canadian content is so important. And uh, yeah, it's really been fun to connect with you guys. So thanks. Awesome. If you want to check out Table Church, the best way to get a hold of you guys, tablechurch.ca. Yeah, that's how to find us. All right. Awesome. And you're in Victoria. So if anyone's in Victoria, they should stop by and see you. Yeah, come hang out. Um, You have to look online to see where we are because we're all over the place, literally. But uh, we'd love to see you. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Al. All right, that was our interview with Anna Spray. L, I got to be with Anna in person um, in November, and uh, I met with a number of leaders out there, and I'm really excited about the interest that's growing in BC for the New Leaf Network and the things that we're doing. So I met with several leaders to talk about um, 
several of the things the New Leaf Network does. One is is church plant design shops. Uh, we do these events. We'd, we'd like to bring out uh, a nuns and duns uh, exploratory event uh, out to Victoria. And, and Anna and a number of other really great leaders are out there. And I just really enjoyed getting to know her. Uh, we met at a at a at a really nice restaurant there in in Vancouver, I ordered some mac and cheese. It was it was delicious, but I felt like a child <laughs> ordering mac and cheese for lunch. But you know what? Uh, it was the right choice, I think. <laughs> and Anna is such great company and and a very thoughtful person. And we're just really excited about being able to get to know her. What what were some of the takeaways from 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 that interview for you, Elle? Well, yeah, I mean, other than just really enjoying getting to know her and her story, I appreciated her honesty, her kind of struggle with her call to ministry and what that looked like for her as she walked that out. Um, moving from Toronto, being here for a number of years and then moving um, back out west. And I liked hearing about Table Church. I liked hearing how they've kind of situated themselves with this big table. So every other Sunday, they gather in a large group for common worship, and they're meeting in two different locations. Um, And then on the alternate Sunday, they have neighborhood tables. So these are spread all across Victoria. And uh, they're, you know, they kind of reflect the neighborhoods that they're in and the personalities, and they have six locations. So it's really great to see that this church plant is growing, that they're trying new and innovative things, that they're situating and organizing themselves in different ways, and that it seems to be it seems to be working and people seem to be resonating with it. So I liked hearing about the tactical side of things as well, uh, of what they're doing in, the, in their church plants. So great lady, uh, great leader, and uh, really, really great that she's connected in with the New Leaf Network. We're honored to highlight her story and the work that they're doing in Victoria. And I'm sure you'll hear more from her in days to come. If you'd like to meet up with Elle and I live when we're in Victoria, stay tuned to the New Leaf Network. Check out our website. Stay stay connected with us via Facebook. That's the best way to hear from us. Uh, but if you'd like to, we could also sign you up to our monthly email newsletter, and you'll know all things New Leaf Network. And if you'd like to meet Anna Spray in person, uh, she's she's also going to be at our event because she's really excited about this conversation. So, Elle, anything else people should know about uh, us and staying connected or getting connected with uh, this this great church on the on the island. Tablechurch.ca is the website for Anna Spray and the crew that are hanging out there. So be sure to check them out in Victoria. And yeah, as you said, Jared, I think keep keep abreast of the website. Um, keep checking up on it in the events page and Facebook. We try to do our best. And the email, it's a great idea. We've got a lot of stuff on the go in 2018. There'll be more episodes explaining that. Um, we're really excited about all the all the things that are coming, but there's there's a lot of moving parts. So make sure that you connect with us so that we can keep you updated because we would love to meet you face-to-face, connect with more people, share more stories of the good stuff that people are doing all across this country. All right. Thanks for listening, friends, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the New Leaf Podcast. You can find us on the web at newleafnetwork.ca or head on over to our Facebook page, New Leaf Network. We have events, workshops, and conversations happening all the time. We would love if you could join us as we share the stories of planters and starters all across Canada.